Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website can be found, scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives. That's where you go to support this mission of truth. Today we are resuming our study in 1 Kings, and we're ready for chapters 3 and 4 this morning. Now this kind of starts setting the stage for the reign of Solomon. And more importantly, um, it starts setting the stage for the great wisdom of Solomon. In fact, here in chapter 3, we have the story of how all this came about. In a vision, God reaches out to Solomon and asks, What is it that you would have me to do for you? And Solomon chooses wisdom. And as a result, becomes the wisest man who had ever lived, and who ever will live, according to the scriptures. And then uh, we kind of see his wisdom begin to be demonstrated in chapters 3 and 4. And that is kind of what is on the agenda for this morning. Important lessons um, about just how important it is to seek wisdom from God, right? Um, we think about James um, if any of the book of James, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given to him. We have to remember who the source of the wisdom is. It's not man. It's not men's sorcerers. It's God. With all that said, let's begin our study for this morning. 1 Kings chapter 3 and 4. Here we go. Verse 1. And Solomon made infamy with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he had made an end of building his own house, and the house of the Lord, and the wall of Jerusalem about only the people sacrificed in high places, because there was no house built unto the name of the Lord unto those days. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father. Only he sacrificed and burnt incenses in high places. So let's make a couple of notes of some things. Right out of the gate, you know... Solomon appears to be making some choices that maybe aren't the right choices. For example, example marrying Pharaoh's daughter. You know, you were you were supposed to remain. You're supposed to marry, stay marrying in to Israel. You weren't supposed to marry outside of Israel. One of the problems we'll see as we continue to study over the coming weeks is that Solomon liked to have some foreign women, and that would become a huge problem. Also, it talks about how Solomon loved the Lord. Of course, in Hebrew, that's Yehovah, right? So Solomon, Solomon loved Yehovah, the one true God. But he sacrificed and burnt incenses in high places. Now, if you research that out, a lot of commentaries and things like that, Believe that when it's talking about the high places, it's talking about paganism, um, p pagan rituals type stuff. Now, you know, it's conjecture. 
Um, is that really what the scripture is teaching? Maybe, um, and it's probably likely, but can't say for sure. Um, because it says, it uses that same phrase up here. It says, uh, you know, the people sacrificed in high places because there was no house built unto the name of Jehovah until those days. Um, but that seems to be the general consensus. So right out of the gate, we have a little bit of problem. There's a, there's a good chance he's sacrificing or that he's doing burnt incenses and stuff in, in a, in a, in a pagan way he's already married the daughter of Egypt so we got a little bit of a problem but we got some good news is is that Solomon like King David loves Jehovah verse 4 and the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there for there was a great high place a thousand burnt offerings did Solomon offer upon the altar in Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night and God said ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David my father great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with thee, and thou hast kept for him this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David thy father, my father, and I am but a little child, and I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen a great people that cannot be numbered nor continued or counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this thy so great a people? So please note, Solomon, he's already wise, right? God asked him, what would you have me to do for you? And Solomon's, in his humility, is like, I'm, I'm like a little kid. I'm like a little child. And now I'm in charge of ruling over this great multitude of people that can't even be counted. What I really need is godly wisdom that would help me to discern the difference between right and wrong and help me to rule over these people. And of course, God loves this response. And as a result, he's going to not only give Solomon that wisdom that he desires, but because he desired wisdom over riches and, and all that other stuff, he's going to give them all of that as well. You know, interestingly enough, Jesus says, Seek the kingdom of God first, and these other things will be added to you. Like, it's not that God wants to withhold all that stuff from you. It's that it can't be your God. Like, your priority in life needs to be the kingdom of God, and God will take care of the other things that you need, right? It's that concept, except so often, so often, even, even we don't even realize we're doing it. We're seeking after those trinkets, if we're to be honest with ourselves at times moving forward and the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing and God said unto him because thou hast asked this thing and not had not asked for thyself long life neither has asked riches for thyself nor has asked the life of thy enemies 
but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I have also given thee that thou which hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. So God's like, you know what? I'm going to give it all to you. I'm going to give you wisdom beyond what anybody's ever had up to this point and after. I'm going to give you riches and honor and all of those things. But there's coming an if. And you know I always like to say that word that Christians hate, if. And it doesn't mean matter what theological side you sit on. Christians hate it when there's a response required or when there's almost like an ultimatum, like if you do it, but that's what God does all the time. Verse 14, and if thou will walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as thy father David did walk, then I will lengthen thy days. If you do all these things, Solomon, if you walk in obedience, then I will also give you a long life. There's also a, a law in the old in the Torah that promises long life. It's honor your father and mother, and you'll be giving a long life. And even Paul brings it up. I believe it's in Ephesians where he talks about how it's the only commandment given with a promise. Like, if you do this, this will be the result. You honor your parents, God gives long life for that. Continuing on. And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And he came to Jerusalem, and he stood before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, and offered up burnt offerings, and offered peace offerings, and made a feast unto all his servants. Then came there two women that were harlots unto the king, and stood before him. And one woman said, O oh, my Lord, and I and this woman dwell in one house, and I was delivered of a child with her in the house. And it came to pass on the third day after that I was delivered, that this woman was delivered also, and we were together, there was no stranger with us in the house, save we two in the house. And this woman's child died in the night, because she overlaid it. And she arose at midnight, and took my son from beside me, while thy handmaid slept, and laid it in her bosom, and laid her dead child in my bosom. And when I rose in the morning to give my child suck, behold, it was dead. But when I considered it in the morning, behold, it was not my son, which I did bear, and the other woman said, Nay, but the living is my son, and the dead is thy son. And this said, No, but the dead is thy son, and the living is my son. Thus they spake before the king. So basically you have two women. They both had children. One of them died in the night from being rolled over. And now we have a debate. Who, whose child belong, who, This one living child, who does it belong to? So somebody's tried to do some trickery and swap the children. Okay, so Solomon's got to figure out how to get to the bottom of it. Whose child does it actually belong to? They didn't have DNA testing, I'm, I'm guessing. Verse 23, Then the king said, The one saith, This is my son that liveth, and thy son is the dead. And the other saith, Nay, but thy son is dead, and my son is the living. And the king said, Bring me a sword. And they brought a sword before the king. And the king said, Divide the living child in two. 
and give half to the one and half to the other. Then spake the woman whose the living child was unto the king, for her bowels yearned upon her son, and she said, O my lord, give her the living child, and in no wise slay it. But the other said, Let it be neither mine nor thine, but divide it. Then the king answered and said, Give her the living child, and in no wise slay it. She is the mother thereof. And all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had judged, and they feared the king. For they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to do judgment. So he says, let's just cut the kid in half, and you each can have a half. Knowing that the real mother's going to not go for that at all, right? And the fake mother would, and the fake mother was like, sure, let's do it that way. It was obvious. And now, uh, because of this story, this story obviously became famous, and all the people of Israel now, they, they fear the king because they're like, okay, we're not going to be able to pull one over on this guy. The wisdom of God is upon him. And that's how chapter 3 ends. Let's read chapter 4. So King Solomon was king over all Israel. And these were the princes which he had. Azira, the king of Zodak, the priest. Alirith and Ahiah, the sons of Shisha, scribes. Jehoshaphat, the son of Ahulud, the recorder. And Benaiah, the son of Jehida, was over the host. And Zodak and Abithar were the priests. And Azirah, the son of Nathan, was over the officers. And Zabad, the son of Nathan, was principal officer and the king's friend. And Ahishar was over the household. And Adudaram, the son of Abda, was over the tribute. And Solomon had twelve officers over all Israel, which provided victuals for the king and his household. Each man, his month, in a year, made provisions. And these are their names the son of Hur in Mount Ephraim, the son of Dikar in Mazaz, and in Shalbim, and Beth Shamesh, and Beth Hanan, the son of Hased in Aruboth, to him pertain Sakoth, and all the land of Hephar, the son of Abinadab, and all the reign of Dor, which had Taphath, the daughter of Solomon, to wife, Ba'anah, the son of Ahulud, to him pertained Tanakh and Megiddo, and all Beth Sheen, which is by Zatanna, Beneth, Zeriel, and Beth Sheen, and Abel Moholah, even unto the place that is beyond Jokanim. The son of Gibir and Ramoth Gilead, to him pertaineth the towns of Jaur, the son of Manasseh, which are in Gilead. To him also pertained the reign of Orgob which is in Bashan, threescore great cities with walls and brazen bars. Abinadab, the son of Edio, had Mahanaim. Amazah was in Naphtali. He also took Bashmoth, the daughter of Solomon, to wife. Ba'anah, the son of Hushi, was in Asher and Aloth. Josephat, the son of Paru, in Ishhar. Shimi, the son of Allah, in Benjamin. Gibar, the son of Uri, was in the country of Gilead, in the country of Shion, king of the Amorites, and of Og king Bashan, and was the only officer which was in the land. Judah and Israel were many, as the sand which is by the sea in multitude, eating and drinking and making merry. And Solomon reigned over all the kingdoms of the river. Unto the land of the Philistines and to the border of Egypt, they brought presents and served Solomon all the days of his life. 
And Solomon's provision for one day was thirty measures of fine flour and three score measures of meal, ten fat oxen and twenty oxen out of the pastures, and a hundred sheep besides hearts and rubucks and flour deer and flattened fowl. For he had dominion over all the region, on this side of the river from Tishaph even to Azah, over the kings and on the side of the river, and he had peace on all sides round about him. So it's important to note that this is like the best time that Israel ever had. They had all the land. They had so many people that it was like the sand of the sea. And it goes through all this provisions that it take, took to feed that many people every single day. Like a hundred sheep and, and, and 20 oxen out of the pastures and 10 fat oxen, a hundred sheep. And that doesn't count hearts and roebucks and flour deers and fattened fowls. And there was just peace. And everyone was drinking and making merry. It was the best of times. Verse 25, And Judah and Israel dwelt safely, every man under his vine and under his fig tree, from Dan even to Beersheba, all the days of Solomon. And Solomon had 40,000 stalls of horses for his chariots and 12,000 horsemen. And those officers provided victual for King Solomon and for all that came into King Solomon's table every man his month. They lacked nothing. Barley also and straw for the horses and dromedaries brought they unto the place where the officers were, every man according to his charge. And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceeding much and largeness of heart even as the sand that is on the seashore. And Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children of the east country and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all men, than Ethan the Ezrahite, and Heman the Charcoal, and Darda the sons of Mahol. And his fame was in all the nations round about. And he spake three thousand proverbs, and his songs were a thousand and five. He spake of trees from the cedar tree that is in Lebanon, even unto the hyssop that springeth out of the wall. He spake also of beasts and of fowls and creeping things and of fishes. And there came of all the people to hear the wisdom of Solomon from all the kings of the earth, which have heard of his wisdom. That is the end of chapters 3 and 4 from the book of First Kings. It said that he spake 3,000 proverbs. And his songs were a thousand and five. Wisest man that ever lived. Provided the greatest kingdom that's ever existed. We don't think of Israel during Solomon's reign when we think about the great dynasties of world history, but it really is. It's the greatest. And there will be nothing like that again until it's until this world is over, right? <laughs> until eternity. But man, it's, it's fun to imagine. What was it like? And did the people take it for granted? Did they realize that they were living in the best of times? Often we don't. Often we don't realize it's the good old days until it's gone. And then we look back and we go, oh, I was kind of 
murmuring a lot and really taking things for granted at that time. But looking back, man, that was the good old days. Well, that's some random thoughts for you this morning. I pray that you've been blessed and I hope you've been strengthened and encouraged. And I hope that it's this podcast continues to help you draw closer to God. Thank you for your prayers. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.